Welcome to Real World, a podcast from Stumo West for soon-to-be college graduates and young professionals who desire to walk faithfully with Jesus in the real world. I'm Dave Matthews, your host for today's episode, and we are actually on part two of a series about the church. I had the privilege of sitting down with my pastor and friend, Kosti Hinn, uh, and if you haven't listened to part one, you can go ahead and go back and listen to it. But in this episode, we're talking a little bit about what things you should be looking for when you're looking for a church. And so, okay, so for a lot of our listeners, you know, Stumo is a parachurch discipleship ministry, mm-hmm. and a lot of people were saved through someone being involved with Stumo that shared the gospel with them. They've been going to yep. a Stumo weekly meeting, et cetera, going to Kaleo, these you know, summer discipleship training programs, which, side note, Kaleo is in the word ecclesia, if you guys yeah. didn't know that, that is <laughs> yes. the exact Greek word that is the called out ones. That's why we get the nerd, the word kaleo. Mm. But help us kind of navigate if some, if I've been involved in a parachurch ministry, what is the difference between that and a church? Is being a part of Stumo, is that church? How do I then incorporate that with being obedient to being a part of a church, et cetera? Yeah. Oh, this is fun. So I love this question because I am a pastor in a local church and then I lead a parachurch organization as well. So I'm I'm passionate about this. So just let's break down the word again. Para just means beside, alongside, you know, in the Greek or the Latin, pick your language. It basically means to come alongside. So parachurch is designed and purposed to support the local church, para and then church. Jesus didn't promise to build the parachurch. So Jesus never promised to build Stumo or to build for the gospel, our parachurch or any other. He didn't say, I promise I will build my rescue mission and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Although we want Stumo, we want for the gospel, we want media ministries, we want rescue missions. He said he'd build the church. So there would be a people that he would build and that he would grow. He would give them things to do and a structure to walk in. And, so where's the parachurch then helpful? Well, it is a, a gateway to the local church, but it is also a ministry that explodes out of the local church. Think about this. People enter into local churches because they get saved through encountering someone from Stumo. They are discipled. They are walked through the gospel. They are taken through workbooks and scripture memory and accountability. And then they are told, now you go do this for someone else. And all of a sudden, this is awesome. Well, all right, now what? Or, 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 and they're like, hey, did you know there's other people too? No way. Yeah, and they gather <laughs> together every week and they serve. And wait, you're telling me, wait, you, yeah, and you love to preach? Yeah, like how can I talk to more people? Okay, that's called evangelism. No, no, no. How can I talk to more people who are hungry for like the deeper stuff? I know the, the people need to get saved. But the, the, the guys that are like, oh, you're talking about preaching. Oh, there's a place you do that. There's qualified preachers that stand up and you can be trained in it and walk in it. And, oh, that's called a church. You're kidding me. There's a church. So like we could do this every week. Yes. And so that's, you could picture, I'm sure even people listening are like, yeah, that's what happened to me. You come to the church through the parachurch and the stumo leaders and everybody else in the parachurch is going job well done. That's our goal. Mm -hmm. We want to get them plugged into local churches. And then you have the local church. Imagine this. We had people come recently. They new converts just got saved. I looked us up online. They show up, never heard of Stumo. They've never heard of anything. They just showed up to the church. We do the same thing. We disciple, we walk with them. They get raised up. And then what do you think starts to happen? They go, pastor, I've got a real passion for the unborn. I want to have a ministry that speaks out against abortion, you know, like Lila Rose and live action. And so pastor, I've got this passion for homeless people. And you said that we need to not just love in, you know, 
our words, but indeed in truth, like First John says. And someone else says, I've got a pastor, James one twenty seven. Pastor, you were preaching and said, true religion is this, that we care for the orphan and the widow in their distress. We got to do that. Well, we are. We've got an orphan initiative, and then we've got this going on. Well, okay, but I've just got this passion to see more done. I'm going to start exploring what it looks like to take some of my money and a few friends I know who have money and putting together an initiative. And would you be willing to be supportive of that? Absolutely. Let's get some volunteers. And all of a sudden, you have a rescue mission exploding. You've got an orphan ministry exploding. You have an abortion ministry exploding. You have all of these things happening. And then this other guy comes and goes, I mean, we're preaching the gospel, no doubt. And we're going to preach the gospel. But also there's practical needs that we can meet. I've got money. I've got the ability to do it. I've got an organization. Let's go dig wells. And they're like, yeah, we're not just giving a cup of water in Jesus' name. We're actually going to preach his gospel as well. And now we're meeting practical needs and sharing the gospel. Where did that come from? A guy was sitting in a seat getting fired up because the preaching of God's word in a local church by a qualified leader stirred his heart. And he goes, I got to do something about this. Now, how the Holy Spirit leads us is going to be different. Many people, different ways. Some people in the local church, others in the parachurch. But everything goes back to what Jesus promised to build. And here's what I would want to challenge, especially in our culture today, where a lot of churches are being exposed for abusing people. And and that doesn't matter what their theological beliefs are. You see it in cults. You see it in like you watch Netflix documentaries on Scientology and on this and that and the other. And it just seems like there's a lot of abuse of power in politics and the church across the board. People are a little nervous to be a part of something. I would say, do not give in to the temptation to think, well, Stumo's my church. I trust these people church is risky. Sin is messy. And God is really gracious. And he's in the business of redeeming really messed up, sinful people who have patterns like Israel in the Old Testament. Oh God, where are you? Here I am provides. Oh God, thank you. Oh God, we forgot about you. (laughs) Then they rebel. And then, oh God, help us again. It that's human nature. Don't give up on the church because people hurt you. Stick with it and understand the parachurch is a great place to serve. So I would, as a parachurch leader, even sometimes this is a challenge for me because I'm like, we have needs and we have things that we're growing and it's a media ministry. But I'll tell people, you know, if you want to give and be generous to this, that's great, but only after your local church. I'm sure we like, we have people that go to our church that work for our parachurch organization, and they still are plugged in at our church. That's healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good pattern for us to follow. Yeah. And we, I mean, we could talk through first Corinthians 12 and these different parts of the body and we don't get to say, because we're one part that we don't need the other parts. Yep. I think it's cool that Paul wraps that up in, uh, uh, 12, 18. He says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Yep. And so it's not for us to go like, oh, well, you know, this part of the body, we, we stumo, we're like a, we're like a foot. Mm-hmm. And so God like put us in a specific way. We don't need the rest of that stuff. I go, mm-hmm. if you're just a foot, you have to be attached to a leg. Like the foot doesn't matter if it yeah. can't be attached all the way up to the head yeah. in all these ways. And so hundred percent agree, need to be a part of the church, need to be yeah. involved with the church. And it's not just an assimil- a, a different kind of lone ranger uh, church. Like we tried to do of going, Hey, well, we're going to do our thing. And Really, college ministry discipleship is the only real 
good stuff. Mm. Like that's what I, I, and I'm speaking from experience. I'm not trying to call all you out listeners. This is my, <laughs> my me personally experience coming up through Stuma. I go, man, because I'm making disciples on the college campus, I'm doing the real, mm. the real stuff. And it is real stuff and it is important stuff and uh, work that God smiles on, but that's not all of it. That's and not think the about only. the guys that let's say you're discipling someone on a college campus. Don't you want them to eventually like become something of their own mission, if you mm-hmm. will, like on their own mission. So play that out. You meet a guy, he five years later is in a church and some years after that, he's, he's pastoring. What a win. Amen. You don't want that guy going, well, Stumo is the only way. I, exactly. I got to go back there. He is going to pour his life into a group of people for 40 years, and he is going to be a tremendous blessing. And then at the same time, he may meet some young guy that loves making disciples and evangelizing on college campuses and go like, well, you know, you don't want to say, well, that's not it. Like, I'm in the church. We're the real thing. You go, well, hold on a minute. It, it, you are doing discipleship and evangelism. And as long as it's, again, it's alongside the church and we've got our priorities in order, let's work together and keep going. Amen, man. All right, well, let's, let's shift a little bit. Let's talk about that guy. He's graduated now. He's come out of Stumo. He's come out of parachurch yep. organization, and now he's working a job, whatever. Mm-hmm. How does that guy or girl choose a church? How do, how do I choose a church? Like what? Yeah. what or maybe I'll start with this. I'll ask you this question. You're a pastor. You've been in the church world for a long time. What are the reasons you see people choose their church? Wow, yeah, I see people choose churches for a lot of, let's start with the negative, consumeristic sure. reasons. Um, I've been in some wild churches that are, you know, you're driving, you jet the pastors, you know, driving Bentleys and flying on Gulfstream jets. I've been in the prosperity gospel world. Um, and I've been in really conservative churches. And so I think that there are some consumer driven habits in all of them. So I'm not just going to pick on one. Mm -hmm. And I've also seen though, now a resurgence of people picking churches for biblical reasons. The biggest one I hear nowadays is, I just want the word. I just want truth. Because we live in a culture in a time where truth is so relative that the next generation is looking for some sort of absolute. They're attracted to conviction. Now, that can be a negative thing when people have deep convictions about very wrong ideologies. But when they see people passionate about truth, they go, I've been looking for that. Because we live in such a loosey-goosey time where it's tolerant and then it's over-tolerant. And then no one stands for anything really, or it's like, well, you're a hater, or you're just a bigot, or you're just intolerant. Like, man, I, it's great to see someone stand for something, even if I don't agree with them. I'm like, yeah, I respect the conviction because it's so rare. So more and more, we're seeing people choose churches based on faithful proclamation of God's word, um, a community of like-minded people that have a purpose. So there's a lot of clarity. It's like I feel like I know what I'm supposed to do here. The third one is really common now: ministry to the family ministry to marriages or guidance for single people with their purpose in life because the family's been under such assault from whether it's political, whether it's liberalism, whether what have you, there's a lot of assault on family, on gender, on sexuality, on marriage, on relationships. And if you attack that, you're attacking the book of Genesis in its earliest accounts of and he made the male and female, and he gave the man a wife. Notice a man didn't take a wife. He received one. So a wife is a gift from the Lord. Now you have this beautiful thing called marriage, 
And out of that, the Lord develops the family and raises up generations for his glory. So we're seeing that attacked. Well, now people are going, I want a church that's going to show me how to, quote, do life from, you know, the cradle to the grave, if you will, from the beginning to the end. I want guidance in that way. So I don't want to be bah humbug about consumerism and just pick on everything. Oh, people consumeristic. No, we're seeing a huge resurgence of I want the truth and nothing but the truth in all these areas of my life. Help me know where to go and how to get there. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, and exactly the exactly what we've been talking about. Which you guys, if you guys haven't listened to episode one, part one of this series, go back and listen to it. But it's exactly what we talked about. What did Jesus actually institute? What did he intend for the church to be? If you're not seeing, you know training of the saints. If you're not seeing the shepherds, evangelists, the teachers equipping the saints for the work of ministry, then you know, you're in the wrong place. But let's, let's open that up a little bit. Maybe we we can keep going on that. So as I'm looking for a church, what are things that I, that need to be there? What, like, what's a deal breaker theologically? Mm -hmm. How do I know if, well, you know, a lot of my friends, they go to this church or that church and it's popular and oh, they're doing a lot of stuff in the community. How do I know if I should be there or not? Great question. So, I want to take this pretty, pretty deep. So stick with me here. Yeah, go for um, it. I'd love to see a, a fairly literal approach to scripture. So I want to see some qualified leaders as elders. I want to see accountability. I want to see plurality in the leadership. And not to say that everything is about leadership, but we know in life a general principle and a clear thing that we see in scripture and onward is things rise and fall based on leadership. So I want to know the leaders and what they look like. I want to watch their approach. If they're leading out faithfully, then we're going to be okay in a lot of ways. I want to hear the Bible preached. I don't want a bunch of stories. You can illustrate. It's fine to have some stories and weave in creative things. But overall, I want to leave going the Bible like an iron pressed in on my shirt. And I feel the heat. And I both, and it straightened me out a little bit. There's some wrinkles that got worked out. I need God's word. I want the gospel preached more clearly and fully. Uh, no easy believism or shallow discipleship. Like, hey, just you know, pray a prayer, raise your hand. Oh, you're good. You're in. Good luck to you. Here's a pamphlet. Here's you're a Christian. You know, that's why probably Stumo has to exist more and more. Is it's like more church, bunch of churches are like, hey, oh, you're in. Cool, baptized. Neato, you'll, we'll get you there now. And you're like, okay, we need organizations that are helping make disciples on college campuses because churches are just going, yeah, you're all, look at the numbers. We had 4,000 people get baptized last week. You're like, who in the world is discipling all of them? So I want to see some intentionality there. I want to be called to a Luke 14, 25 through 35 way of life. I want to be told to count the cost, take up my cross and follow after him. I want to see people following the Lord, not for free food or miracles, but because they believe he's the son of God and they love him. So look for a burning affection for Christ. And I want to see doctrine, sound doctrine. So don't just tell me what I already know. Tell me what I don't know. I want to be challenged. I want you to teach me. And I think of what Paul told Timothy, guard your life and doctrine closely for it will preserve, literally save both you and those who hear you. If Paul tells Timothy it's important to watch his life, so it's his purity, his, obviously his character, and his doctrine, because that's really key for a church leader, then as a church member or tender, I want to be told, here's life, here's doctrine, here's how to live it. So you're listening for 
penal substitution, like the atonement of Christ, and that he took the wrath of God for you, and you're listening for things that revolve around bibliology, which is just a big word to say the Bible and what it teaches, and you're looking for the sufficiency of Scripture. Somebody that says the Bible is enough and the inerrancy of it. The Bible is accurate and true. You're looking for someone to preach and teach on the person of Christ. When they assess what the Bible says in their study, they come out with applications. They don't butcher the Bible to preach some sermon that gets a lot of hits on YouTube because he sounded cool and it was raw, raw, but truly deeply scriptural teaching. Uh, so you want to hear doctrine taught and, and honestly leave going, I've never heard that before. I've never been taught that before. And here's another one for our generation. If you're in a church or you, th you think about your dream church and it involves a lot of feeling good and you and more you and you just want to be affirmed in the way you are, that's a bad idea. And here's why. I'm the problem and you're the problem. We are sinners. Mm. I don't need someone to sit there every week in a pulpit or stand there and tell me how awesome I am. Because I know that I was insensitive to my wife this week. I know that I was at the office and I was jaw jacking by the water cooler. I know that I was driving and I got angry in traffic. Well, you all know how sinful you are, don't you? I do too. So don't tell me how awesome I am. Tell me how awesome Jesus is. And don't tell me about how I'm fine and you know he loves me just the way I am. Sure, I know he loves me, but tell me how to follow after him and live for him. Tell me how to grow by the power of Christ and the power of his word. This is what the author of Hebrews means when he writes that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's active. So give me God's word so it will change my life. I think of an example of a dear brother that I have here at our church and his life has changed drastically. He's gone from being incarcerated and completely lost to just on fire. And you go, you know, what did it? He'll tell you the word did the work mm -hmm. in his life by being under God's word. He wasn't told, you know, how to be a better him outside of look to Christ. And so I think it was Charles Spurgeon who once said, you know, at the end of a sermon, if people are like, oh, what a beautiful speaker, what an amazing preacher, you have failed. They ought mm -hmm. to say, what a beautiful Savior. Amen. So point them to Jesus. If your church is pointing you to feel good stuff, you got the goosebumps and it's awesome, which by the way, there's nothing wrong with feeling good. So don't hear me wrongly, but it's all you and it's fine to be you. And they pat you on the back and send you out. You're missing on the best part. Last illustration here, Dave. Nobody would go to the gym and keep paying a trainer who did not stretch them and make them a little sore. And yet, while we'd fire a coach who just told our kid they're awesome all the time and never told them the truth to help them get better, we do have this thing inside of all of us that wants a pastor who gets up there and says, you're awesome. You're all, give yourself a hand. You're awesome. All right, go get them team. We can't accept it in the gym. We can't accept it on the field or on the court, nor can we in the church because we want to be stretched and stronger through resistance. So those that would be my treatise on all of that. And hopefully I've given some people some things to think about. No, I think that's really good. I think a lot of that plays into the conversations that I've had with about to be graduates or recent graduates. And they have, they're at this point in their life and they go, man, I just feel far from God or I'm missing the community I used to have. And they're talking about, being involved with Stumo or being involved with some other thing. And I go, well, man, what are you getting out of your church? Where do you go to church? Like, well, okay, what's the preaching like? They go, well, you know, it's this. And I go and listen to it or I listen to a podcast or watch a message and it's 
good job guys like feel good about it and i go <laughs> all right here like so we've got we can do a little bit of algebra here and go if, if this then that yeah. we can start to add some things up but i think that is part of it that really if we have the holy spirit then we're going to feel empty and not fed by milk like if, if we are growing up and maturing into christians we should be getting some meat we should have a pastor telling you hey you are still dealing with your sin this this thing is sin stop it like grow up into maturity like get up into all this rather than just hey it's okay guys like here's your medal here's your little participation trip participation trophy thanks for coming to church see you next week so we have like i want people to as you guys are listening i want you guys to be thinking through don't just go to the first church that is the most popular Mm -hmm. in your city where you move to don't just go where a lot of your friends are going or where you grew up when you were going as a kid none of those things are necessarily bad popularity doesn't immediately mean it's a unbiblical church but you have to do some examining have to make the right decision amen here's another one it's a real easy one to remember if you don't hear the word repent in your church for a long time and give the guy some grace. He might be in a sermon on, well, I was going to say he might be in a series on marriage or something and not preaching, but the old, if you're in a series on marriage, you better be saying, some of you, seems like the perfect series. Some of you husbands, you need to repent for the way you've been treating your wife. And some of you wives need to repent. So yeah, I, I'm going to say that boldly and unapologetically. You want to, over a, a very short period of time, just maybe you go there for several weeks and really give them a shot. You want to hear about sin and repentance and our need for Christ. And listen in today's world for a dumbing down of very serious things. Here's what I mean by that. We call sin, this is a newer thing, and I even was in some of this for a while back in the day. We call sin like brokenness or struggle because we want to take it easy on people. And sin is a scary word. Listen, it's in the Bible. Say it. Or we don't want to say repent because we're kind of like just... You know, just give your heart to God. And you go, well, no, repent means change your mind. So at some point, you just want to hear a preacher say, hey, anybody here feeling like their way is bankrupt? Anybody here want to repent? You ready to change your mind yet? Jesus's way is better. You there yet? Come on, church. Like, you want to hear him push in on, on that and not just soften the blow on everything. Hard truth create soft hearts. And so we want that for us. Amen. Love that. Great thought. So uh, with that though, let's put some, some practical wheels on it. As I'm looking for this church, how much of it should play into, like if I've got the choice between church A and church B, how do I get into some more of the nitpicky stuff? Like, is it okay for me to like the worship? Is it okay for me to like a style of preaching more than one or the other? How much should those kind of things factor into my decision? That's really good. I'll personalize this. I try to limit preferences and opinions and major on the word of God. Mm -hmm. So the preaching is going to dictate a lot for me. I want to sit under preaching that is biblical and deep and stirs my soul truly. And, and it hurts so good sometimes. So I always start with the preaching. And then from there, if it's a church that sings a bunch of old hymns, but the preaching is fire. Okay. Like all, all good. Let's go. That's fine. I'll sing the hymns. I can still sing truth. Praise God. Uh, it was John Piper that said a congregation learns its theology, not just from the preaching, but from the songs that they sing. And so great. I can learn more about God through singing and oh, well, or, you know, maybe the music is awesome and vibrant and I'm like, yay. Well then congratulations. You just found an awesome church, but 
someone's going to offend you in a small group one day. So just mm-hmm. don't get your hopes up. You know, <laughs> the idea that if there's a perfect church, don't go, you'll ruin it. There's <laughs> yeah, always exactly. something. But if, yeah, if you've got your preferences met in some of these ways, that's fine. But don't hinge on it all. Go for the preaching of God's word primary because you got the word feeding your soul. If the music is biblical and theologically accurate and you're there, great. What I would not want is I go and the preaching is super entertaining and the guy's kind of a goofball up there and he makes me laugh a ton, but the music is deep and makes me feel so good. And now I go, well, I'm there for the music. Mm. Okay, well, you're not being fed right. On the flip side, if the preaching is just amazing and another church is preaching is awesome too, and one church, the music is pretty on keel and the other church, it's like a rock concert and you're having trouble seeing through the fog and the laser lights. You're like, is this Coldplay? This is awesome. But I feel like I should have paid tickets for it. And I'm not down on technology. Do any of our listeners yet. still listen to Coldplay? I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm old. I'm old. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I had. <laughs> Billie Eilish. Whatever concert you want to go to. The Beebs. Um, uh, you know, and, and that that may be distracting for some people. Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like we're at a rock concert. Well, again, choose the church that is preaching faithfully and biblically. There's a lot of distractions distractions you're not that aren't there. And, you know, and for them, honestly, it's again, small group or the children's ministry carpet is not as cool as the other carpet. Or there's TVs in the lobby at one and they have the game on and this other one does like I don't get down that road mm-hmm. because preferences and opinions and consumer driven habits are the bane of our existence, truly, as modern-day Christians. They are just killing our priorities. Mm -hmm. The preaching of God's Word, first and foremost, because out of that, even though it's a a part of the church, it's a tip of the spear. Mm -hmm. It's a trigger. We call me at our church, I'm a trigger man. If I preach faithfully, you know what's going to happen. People come out of the pews, or or we have seats, but get it, like pulpit and pew, And they go, all right, flesh that out. What's this going to look like now? And now we apply it, and the church starts to change and grow because the preaching is a trigger. So the preacher's not everything. Don't you dare put me on a pedestal and make it all about me and my ministry. No way. The preacher's on the plow, though. And then he invites people to come and join him. And so it's a trigger that impacts the rest of the ministries. If you reverse engineer that, and the preacher just kind of does his thing to keep everybody happy, and all the other stuff is cool, we're in trouble. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you need another litmus test to help understand that, look at the fruit. A tree will be known by its fruit. You can look at, is this church sending out missionaries? Are there people making disciples in here? Is it all incumbent on just the leaders and their thing? You have to be involved and come to their Bible study? Or are there people in the church who are out making disciples, who are loving orphans, who are loving widows, who are giving to the poor and needy, etc.? Like, are they doing church? And that's a great way that you can look. So is this a healthy church? Should this, this is what I should be.